Welcome to Men of the Hearts, a monthly podcast from the Archdiocese of Detroit Office of Priestly Vocations. Join me, your host, Father Craig Guerra. And Father Drew Maybe, As we explore the priesthood, hear vocation stories from priests all over the Archdiocese and the Diocese of Lansing, and answer questions about discerning a priestly vocation. Tune in every month to wherever you get your podcast, and learn more at DetroitPriestlyVocations.com. Well, welcome everybody to another episode of Men of the Hearts podcast. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. Father Drew, how are you doing today? I'm not bad. How about you, Father Craig? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. We got on a special guest today. He's not from the Archdiocese of Detroit. He is from Lansing. Uh, but guess what? He is he is uh, best friends with Father Drew and with Father David as they are classmates. So they know all the secrets about each other. And we're going to get to hear a little bit more about some of those secrets that Father uh Drew doesn't want us to talk about and all those other yeah, different so types st- of things. Starting, by the way, with <laughs> the fact that both of them, I think, are from the Diocese of Lansing. <laughs> hey, <laughs> <laughs> We'll talk about those things. Yeah. <laughs> Father Mike Kassar, not to be confused with Father Miguel Kassar, Father Mike Kassar is actually probably, he was like the second intellectual powerhouse. Uh, he and Father David were always like neck and neck. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Are He's you an a, all A seminarian? No, um, I, the Bishop of Marquette gave me a B plus on a week long course. I can't even remember what it was, sexual ethics or something like that. Uh, and so one time I was do, I was a bartender at the Obergs, right? The, yeah, yeah, what's yeah. Obergs, Father Mike? Yeah. Oh, what's Obergs? The no. seminary pub uh, that, that we have. It's a hangout place. Yeah, just yeah, hang it's out. a chill place. Yeah, just to get together. And so... Um, I was the bartender there, and all these Marquette guys, they're, they're troublemakers, the Mar- you know. They brought their bishop when he was visiting, and they're like, hey, Mike, guess who we brought? It's Bishop Durfler. He gave you a B. And then Bishop Durfler just like very like nobly just like, uh, I'll take a blue moon. <laughs> and they're all just like running around, pointing and laughing, you know. So that was so, the only B in, in your whole uh, yeah, that was my career? That was my B plus, yeah. Wow. Yeah. And then what about before you came to seminary, all A's? Uh, I think I got a couple B's in, in undergraduate. Um, hey. Was that homeschool or was that actually at a real school? It was a real school, <laughs> yeah. So that, that maybe that beats uh, Father David. You know? Yeah, Mike's a little more of an OG. <laughs> so um, actually, I'm going out to Rome to witness one of wow. our uh, seminarians who's studying there to become a transitional deacon. And uh, I was Is that give- Ryan? Yep, Ryan oh, Asher. Man. Soon to be Deacon, Deacon Ryan. Soon to be Deacon Ryan. Yeah. Um, Good Hillsdale guy from the yeah, diocese, get ready. You know? diocese of Lansing School, Hillsdale. <laughs> Hillsdale is an awesome Hey, you're trying school. to claim everybody. Here. Yeah, well, you know, I could. Yeah. I actually went out to say Mass at Hillsdale, and it was like a impromptu thing, like a Thursday Mass. They had like maybe a day or two to announce that Mass was coming on, and there were like over 150 kids it's there a crazy wow. place. at Mass. and. I was in the confessional for a long time. And then they were telling me that every year, something like 60 to 70 kids become Catholic. Yeah, they, they have like unbelievable RCAA classes. Yeah. And of course, their non-denominational chapel is <laughs> stunning. Yeah. <laughs> really? So yeah. that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Right well, on. No, so, you're, going, you're going to Rome. You're yeah, I'm going to Rome. But um, to get back to Father David, <laughs> his parents gave me a whole uh, package to bring to him because, of course, Father David's over there. It's coming, and, Father David. Do you remember uh, <laughs> Father Drew, uh, Tim Dubois, one of our I old do, classmates? Yeah, one of our classmates. If you're out there, Tim, yeah, hope you're doing well. Yeah, yeah. If you're still listening to Vocations podcasts at this stage, <laughs> you're probably you're not like, at this point. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, this guy. We we went to Mexico, me and Tim. We were housemates in, in Mexico for the immersion, the Spanish mm-hmm. language immersion. And like four weeks in, this is not an exaggeration. I saw him on the balcony watching Ronald Reagan eulogize World War II soldiers. Like that's how hungry he was for America, being a detective. Oh, wow. So of course, of course, your diocese wow. sends him to Rome, and, and, <laughs> and he's. I mean, he wasn't a man of sophisticated taste, and so he like, oh, you guys got Folgers over there? I'm like, yeah, oh, we God got Folgers. Yeah. And, and Father Drew, who likes his coffee, nice. He, he just he just be infuriated by by. He would him. He would ship over like. Tim Horton's coffee to Italy. <laughs> like, you gotta be <laughs> Sorry to all the Canadians. <laughs> That's funny. Unbelievable. Well, Father Mike, it's great to have you on the show. Um, you. you know, um, it's great that we're talking about all these different things. But, you know, any blessings that you want to share with us that uh, has been going on in the last couple months in your life? I mean, because you're brand new to the role of, of being a vocation director. That's specifically why we wanted to have you on uh, this this month. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it's all, it's all new. Um, and so, in, in some sense, everything 
news is a blessing. We were talking before the show about uh, Father Drew's workload on the weekend, you know, and I'm like, well, you know, it's a, I remember that being in the parish where the weekend would be like, you know, you have all this stuff or it, it shifts, you know, uh, mm-hmm. as vocation years, just so your schedule is different. What you do is different. Um, so you don't do t- anything on the weekend. The type, you know, I I'm dabble. <laughs> <laughs> I dabble, you know. I took I, up watercolors. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anything to just pass the time, right? Please, yeah. yeah. So, I, and, and so... It's been exciting, and you know, we went to the National Vocation Directors Conference. Yeah, tell us a little bit about that because it was really kind of interesting to be out there. What is the National Vocations Directors Conference? I know nothing of this. Well, Father Mike, tell (laughs) me. Well, I I enlighten him. I just learned it myself, (laughs) you know. Um, And so, yeah, there's a conference every year where the vocation directors throughout the country and even sort of internationally around the world. Yeah, yeah. there's a guy from some people from Germany there, Australia, and Australia. Um, so you get together, there, there, there are presentations, conferences. A lot of it's nice. just networking, getting to know the different guys, sharing best practices. Mm-hmm. Um, and then because it was my first year, they have like a weekend kind of like vocation director's boot camp, okay. which is like, cause like, I mean, nobody in seminary like prepares you for how to process an application for a seminary. Like, you have no idea. Right? Yeah, right. Um, and it's so hard they, not they, just they do. doing your own. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> it's a difficult process. <laughs> but uh, um, so so you know, kind of some of the practical stuff. So I was I was there in Long Island for for a week, first weekend. Then Father Craig came out and uh, joined us uh, yeah. with all the other guys, with all the other for the for everybody to be more, a part yeah, of. Yeah. More, the, more the experienced vocation directors. Yeah. So nice. Um, so that was fun. You know, you, you see people you weren't expecting to. Uh, Father David from the Salts, who went to seminary. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a vocation director. Yeah, shout out Father David. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So. Right on. Yeah, it's really nice. And, we, you know, we hear talks from different people and get to go out to eat with each other. And, you know, I think the the last night was pretty cool, too, is we had a Eucharistic procession uh, halfway through uh, the land that they have there, which is really beautiful. It's That's right awesome. by the water and everything like that. And they have an outdoor kind of amphitheater as well. So we brought the Eucharist all the way out there and then did adoration and, and a blessing. It was really cool. That yeah, awesome. that that was cool. If you can find videos somewhere online, there's people recording. But it's really because you have all these religious audience, nuns and their sure. habits, religious. So you see all the kind of stuff, all these priests coming, filing into this outdoor amphitheater. Um uh, just so you can see the, the the bay on the other side and kind of bring it around and do benediction. Ew, that, that was very memorable. Yeah. Wow. And it's cool, too. No one worried about their dress pants. You just kneel, yep. knelt right onto the grass, and it's like, yeah. this is God. This is awesome. Right. You know, the beauty and the grandeur and having the Eucharist right there before Amen. us. And to know that, you know, I mean, definitely the, the NCDVD is all about, like, a Eucharistic revival as well and, and priesthood and the Eucharist go hand in hand. So. Right. And there's adoration and confession. Uh, it's a holy time. Yeah. yeah you so, got so time. It was, nice. yeah. it was part retreat actually. And so I, I felt re- refreshed um, spiritually. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was a pretty cool time. Yeah. Right on. I always like going and, you know, again, you could have those conversations. Just other vocation directors know just like little things that, you know, like you can commiserate sometimes with like, did you have to ever deal with this? Or what did you do in this situation? And it's just mm-hmm. really, really a blessing to have other guys have you back in that way. Mm-hmm. So, awesome. yeah. And my blessing too is not only to be out there, but um, as I said, I'm going out to, to Rome to be a part of uh, Ryan's diaconate ordination. So that's really cool. I'm looking forward to that. I'm going to stay uh, a number of days and... Um, I'm actually not staying at the seminary. I'm staying at the Casa, which is where Father David is actually living. Uh-oh. So Father David's going to show me around. He knows how to speak Italian now because, you know, he can pick up a language in a couple months like he has. And so he'll take me around and show some cool things. Nice. So Yeah, yeah Father, Dave, Father David, I remember we, he was also in the Mexico uh, immersion thing. And he, we were in the same beginner class like 
for like you know and you haven't done it before and like I two think weeks I in, in the beginner class yeah. the entire time <laughs> <laughs> Father Drew was he ended up getting like private lessons like well, Father Drew's not really making much progress <laughs> and like but then you'd hear him like playing, playing like praise and worship music for his teacher like I don't know if he's studying over there <laughs> everything's evangelistic yeah Padre. no yeah <laughs> no no God bless you God bless you but yeah but it's like two weeks in and he's like he's like oh that's Fouet Moose I'm like Fouet Moose what? we haven't learned that and, yeah. you know it's just, you know some future active participle something or other I'm like yeah. man so David quickly left uh, those of us in the beginner class yeah. in the dust yeah it's because yeah. he, he had homeschooling that's why yeah right. you know, <laughs> because homeschooling is great and we love and respect all the homeschooling families especially those interested they throw down when vocation. it comes to the languages yeah they're, they're yeah. legit yeah, yeah. you know yeah. some people just have languages and some people don't and I'm not one that I was like Father Drew when I was in Mexico I just <laughs> they kept on going lower and lower and I think I was in a private class towards the yeah, and it was right. just like I, I it's so beyond me it's like a it's like mathematics it just doesn't fit in my nature hmm. yeah yeah i, I, I kind of just treaded water there like i'm like good with languages on like like my transcript looks pretty good yeah. but uh when it comes to actually speaking the language i i, I can't do it yeah i, I don't right. know any modern i languages. can read spanish yeah i don't know what i'm saying i don't know what it is but i can read it pretty well yeah like I, not understand it just read it like out loud yeah, yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> you know <laughs> if you have to get through a spanish mass yeah I, i've never done one so come in pontiac we can yeah. make that work yeah. yeah well what about you father Drew? anything uh special going on with you um yeah uh there's been a couple kind of really unique blessings there's two folks that uh kind of just popped on the radar screen uh in our city uh, one um, actually has been working on his motorcycle in his front yard, lives on the street from our parish office, and uh, middle-aged guy, and just happened to wave to him one day, asked him about his bike, and we've kind of, that struck up a conversation, and now we uh, he comes to the office sometime, we chat, and uh, it's just been a real, it's been a real kind of grace to, I just felt like the Lord told me to stop one day and say something to him about his bike, and that kind of opened the door for a conversation, and uh, so that's been one blessing. I've gotten to know this guy, and uh, I, the Lord's doing something in his life. Uh, I think in a, in a beautiful way. And then there's uh, there's a we had a a, a lady just kind of come out of nowhere uh, back to the church, who had been baptized there. I don't know how many years ago. Who uh, she's got a just got a really let's just say a really kind of uh, tough life right now. A lot of just brokenness. But she just felt like Jesus somehow was like telling her she should go back to the church she was baptized in, and she's mm. she's kind of to use uh, the Holy Father's term, she's uh, she's definitely living on the margins in so many ways. But uh, I've just like these are the moments as a priest you just love. You get to kind of meet, or at least for me, you get to kind of meet folks that are yeah. you know uh, not our everyday parishioners, people that are kind of coming out of you know just the streets or the world in such a huge way. And you just feel like, man, Jesus just really wants this person home, you know? Yeah. And so uh, those have been two blessings, these two folks particularly for me. That, um, And then a third one, I suppose, is on Sunday, I was, uh, I was just telling uh, both of you that uh, Father Jake's away on the Camino. God bless you, Father Jake. Hope your walk is going well. We're praying for you. And um, I had a, a couple of masses at the parish and then a couple of masses elsewhere. And then I was coming home from the last mass and somebody was calling me to come uh, anoint an elderly priest, really holy old priest. And I got to, uh, went there to, to get to him. And right before I'd gotten there, somebody, another priest had come and anointed him. But I just felt inspired when I was standing there. I was like, I wonder if he's had mass today. It's Sunday, you know? And so he's not very conscious, but we put a stole around him and got to offer mass with him. And it was probably like one of the one of the highlights i mean to offer mass at all is the highlight of the week for sure but this was like just such a beautiful most simple mass in a hospice room you know but yeah. he was uh he woke up at the end and kind of said some words to me like he trying to give me his blessing um That's awesome. it was just awesome it was so beautiful because it's like uh i felt like a i kind of felt like a student as i was at like at his bed saying mass because i'm like man you've lived this like way longer than I've been alive. You know, you were ordained when my parents were born. Yeah. Um, and you've seen everything, quite literally. I mean, he's, he's had a, he had a remarkable story. He'd been all over the world and, uh, and a very holy and prayerful guy. And you could just see it in him. It was like, uh, it was the presence of the Lord was just really palpable, obviously, in the Blessed Sacrament. But 
Anyway, so those have just been some, some yeah, huge blessings. Awesome. Yeah. So the I guess the, the it's like a story you hear in like a saint like book or something like that. You know, before so and so died, priests you know gathered yeah. around the bed and offered holy mass and yeah, it's pretty cool. I gotta be honest. I think sometimes just you know seeing other priests do the same thing or hearing them that like that were been mentors in my own life do the same thing for their loved ones. I just it just occurred to me as I got there. I was like, well, he's already been anointed. I wonder if I could just say mass at his bed, and it just felt so right to do that. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, praise God. Yeah. Yeah. All right, all right. Well, Father Mike, you want to share your vocation story with us? Tell it however you want to share it. Oh, sh- <laughs> sure. Tell us the whole story. The whole story. Everything. Yeah. You got to throw in how you uh, got the 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 righteous beard rocking that you do today, too, somehow I, along the way. No, I will. That's, that's uh, you know, vocationally relevant. It is tr- striking how both of you are vocations directors, and you have rather, you know— but we were like the only ones at the conference with decent Thick beards, and yeah, ardent beards, yeah, like you know. There were two other guys that had had yeah. decent decent beards, but like this yeah. is four out of two hundred, right. so it's not. The Aussies have beards. The Aussie did not. That's um, too bad. No. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, I'm cutting into your story. <laughs> no, that, I mean it's more important than my vocation story. It's various shades of facial hair. You know. You know. Yeah. So we'll get to there, right? That that was a later development. I haven't always been. Bearded, sure. yeah, yeah. Uh, you were once not bearded, I, I, yeah, because I wanted to get into seminary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you got to be better groomed if you actually want to be a seminarian. You know, well, there are. I mean, they let the guys grow beards and things like that. You just have to be able to. It's got to be better. One. It's got to be better trim than this. Don't yeah. grow like your vocations director is what he's saying. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I don't. You know, I don't want to discourage. You know. Uh, growing a beard, like right. like the holy men of old. That's right. Great yeah. patriarchs, the church fathers. It's like oil running down yeah. the beard. That's yeah. right. The beard of Aaron. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Come on. But you know the irritating thing is like, like I'm I'm, go- I'm going for like Saint Anthony of the Desert. You know. Yeah. So, so something old, you know, something Eastern. Yeah. And everyone's just like, oh, you're growing nice. a beard. You you look like Father Joe Krupp. I'm like you know. Father, Father Joe Krupp. Father Joe Krupp rocks if he's out there. Yeah. And he's listening. Yeah. But he great, did not. He did, he did not invent the beard. But yeah. like in my diocese, it's like that's that's the benchmark. Like it's the first bearded priest that, that they think of. Oh, yeah. Was it, wasn't he a vocation director for a while? Um, Maybe I don't back think, in the day. I, I don't, don't know. think he was. He did student. He did a lot of campus ministry okay. and high school ministry. And yeah. Um, so, so how did you be, how did you become a priest? Well, yeah. <laughs> but back to the original question, right? Yeah. <laughs> Get hydrated here. It's yeah, getting one. Yeah, getting hydrated. You know. Um, so I was I like like Father Drew. I was raised Lutheran. So like priesthood obviously wasn't on on the mantle growing up yeah i've never thought about it never wanted to do it um never a lutheran pastor no 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 not not really no it never really seemed that they don't really have a huge vocations push that i recalled no they they don't i mean it's not like pray for our our seminarians in fact not at all my, my mom who's still lutheran like looks at what the church catholic church did for me and she's like we well we should be doing more of that like you know paying for my education, um, you know, all the supports, the, the letters, right? It, all the kind of support that the Catholic Church surrounds uh, their seminarians with. She's like, we should be doing more stuff like that. Um, but, but it wasn't, it just wasn't on my radar. It wasn't proposed mm-hmm. to me. Um, and, and of course, growing up, like I, I went to St. Paul Lutheran School in Ann Arbor, which is a great school, you know. I had a good experience. Was that uh, K through eight or it was K through eight? It's K through eight. Okay. I went to Pioneer um, for high school, um, and so you know I was, was raised with the faith. And um, I mean, at some point, like I really don't know when it happened. Like, like I just stopped going to church. Like I don't really know when it happened. If it was college, I think mm-hmm. it started in high school. Obviously. Lutheran church. Yeah, yeah. I just stopped going. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like hockey for me in high school was like five days a, a week. Um, nice. That was, you know, that was, that was more of the priority. Um, <laughs> um, so, so just stop going to church and stop. Is there an it. expectation in the Lutheran church to go every week or is it? I There's mean, not the same kind of like obligation, at least in my experience. I mean, di- different Lutheran yeah. denominations. Um, there wasn't the same expectation. And even though there was, there's, there was a somewhat high Theology of the Eucharist. I mean, there's a sense of the real yeah. presence, but it didn't ever seem to matriculate to me down to the people in the pews. It was kind of yeah, like that's true. It's kind of like oh, 
every other week we have communion and it makes church longer. Oh, know? okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Because um, it wasn't every week. Yeah, and it just didn't have the same kind of like, like you gotta, you gotta, this is the the nourishment of my life. Like this is what's keeping mm. me going. It's like, mm. I gotta be here to get it. Mm. Um, there, there's a sense that it's really Jesus, but it, it wasn't the same emphasis as the Catholic Church. And so, if you know, if you miss a week, what you know, yeah. you, what's the big deal? You know, you pray, read the Bible sometimes. That's right. So it wasn't, it didn't feel like an affront. I mean, maybe, yeah. I mean, I, whenever I, I, I tell the story, I mean, I was fairly spiritually immature and a child at the time. And so just looking back, I'm sure that I, I'm not actually getting it right from a theological and stand, but this is just how I experienced yeah. it. it was, um, so I just stopped going to church. And <laughs> hockey, hockey became your religion in a sense. It just seemed like you were doing it all the time. Well, I mean, it, it, it was, and I don't know, I wasn't a great hockey player. Like, you know, I played for Pioneer, I was like the fifth defenseman, you know, yeah. you know, good enough to play every game, not good enough for power play time. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, it's, it's time consuming and when there, I mean, yeah, it, the way I would explain it now is, you know, if two things c- conflict, the one you choose is the one you prioritize, right? And if yeah. a hockey game conflicts with church, choose a hockey, hockey. game, hundred yeah. percent of the time, hundred percent of the time, yeah. right? So yeah, I mean, there there was a, a disordered sense of priorities, right? Mm-hmm. When religion and hockey conflict conflicted, choose hockey, right? Yeah. But choose a, a lot of other things too. I mean, was Pioneer a Lutheran high school or is that? No, Pioneer's uh, was public. Okay. Pioneer was public. It's um, one of the bigger high schools in Ann Arbor, yeah. It, 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 at the time, this was be, this was before Skyline. So okay. the time is about three thousand students. Wow. Um, so it was Pioneer and, and Huron were were the yeah, big the public rivals, yeah. you know. And it was a big school, um, and so that just kind of that just well, that's just where it was at. It, it was not like a lack of belief. It wasn't a change in beliefs. It wasn't an abandonment of beliefs. It's just, and I think this is the more common thing. You just kind of drift away, and you yeah. still identify with yeah. the faith. Um, but it's not, I mean, it's really not noticeable from practice of life or from what you choose. I mean, I mean this is what I would tell the kids, because I was at Michigan State, you know, uh, before this assignment as vocation director. Like, like, like a chaplain? Yeah, well, you know, it, it, it clustered parish, but yeah. But I tell like the 19-year-olds, like, like, you believe that a Jewish carpenter was also God. Like your life should look differently. Right, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like you, you believe that, right? But it didn't for me, right? I believe mm-hmm. that there was a mm-hmm. Jewish carpenter who was also God, but you know, <laughs> I, I mean, that's I think a, in some ways, I think that's project. as you mentioned, though, Father. I think it's uh, that's kind of a normal thing. I think for a lot of our parishioners, you know, like maybe they're coming still, but as you just mentioned, like you believe a Jewish carpenter is truly the only eternal Son of God. It should affect every area of your life, and yet it seems like, for a lot of folks, not because maybe they didn't, they don't want to encounter this, but uh, there's just a sense of like they just kind of drift away, and they don't even know why they're there, and they're drifting to church, and so there is. I mean, I think that's just to say, just to talk about reality. That's kind of a probably a more average, you know, place of where most people are. I think so, right? I mean, because this is just the way the faith comes to us. It's just like a package in life and like the good life, well, the successful life. Yeah, yeah, the statistics would show it with yeah. only 30, 40% of Catholics believing in the real presence of the Eucharist. That's why we're doing the Eucharistic revival, you know, of yeah. understanding that this is God. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And I mean, you see with the, with COVID just, I mean, people just got out of practice and stopped going to church. Yeah. And then and this is, I mean, I was the, the pillar did that study Hmm. And the, the number one reason people stopped going to church, what do you think it was? People who had been going to, been going to Mass stopped going to Mass. What do you think the number one reason was? I'm trying to recall. I don't know. Because they know. moved. <laughs> they moved. They moved, right? And then they didn't pick another church. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really striking. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's not, I mean, like, disagreement with beliefs was pretty far down the list hmm. on, in terms of why someone stopped going to church. It was like they moved. They didn't think it was important anymore. That's um, striking. Things like that. It's really striking. And so, yeah, I think that's typical. I mean, there's no dramatic deconstruction story there. It's yeah. just you know, stop going to church and the world doesn't end and you say some prayers before before yeah. going to bed. Still Lutheran, still Christian, still, you know, it just doesn't affect very much. So. Yeah. 
that's pretty much where I was in high school in my first year of college. So I went to Grand Valley State, and I do not know what any churches in Grand in the Allendale area look like because I, I never went to one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I really don't know. And again, it wasn't there was no protest, you know. It wasn't me kicking and screaming. I didn't go out and just say, like, I was raised at a fundamentalist school. Now I'm going to go crazy. It was just like, meh. Yeah. I'm just not going. Why, yeah. why, why would you, you know? Um, so that's kind of where I would say my, convert, my, my vocation story starts is that just as somewhat mysteriously as I stopped practicing, Stop. I mean, stop going. I mean, I, I, now I would say not not practicing. Yeah. yeah. At the time, I was like, "What are you talking about?" Uh, I'm Lutheran. I can. You you want you want to quote the small catechism? I can do that, right? Yeah. I I I know my Bible. You got the data. Yeah. yeah. I, you know. Um, but now I would say functionally non-practicing. But so, you, but just as mysteriously as that kind of like creeps in, I just had the sense, and maybe it was just discomfort with reality. So some some sense that the things weren't going. Because, you know, mm-hmm. you, you kind of you expect things to be going better mm-hmm. <laughs> all yeah, the time, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Even if things are going well. Yeah. Um, some sense of that, I think some restlessness caused me to think, well, if, if, I, if I do believe this stuff, like, mm-hmm. it's got to matter, right? Mm-hmm. So I consider that to be grace working in sort of a, a natural restlessness mm-hmm. within yeah. my soul. How did that come to you? I don't know. Wow. <laughs> I moved back. Um, mm-hmm. I transferred to Eastern, closer to home. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> both alum. Yeah. yeah. All right. That's right. And yeah. Father Westerman's doing great things there at Eastern Michigan right yeah. now. So shout out Father Dan. Yeah. So so I moved back and it was just part of like everything in college is like life just but just like condensed. It's like life concentrate. Mm-hmm. Like everything is dramatic, right? Everything is changing. Everything's uncertain. Mm-hmm. And just in part of, of mm-hmm. that kind of cocktail of emotions, of experiences, of confusions that insight just popped into my head like oh i should be going to church mm-hmm. <laughs> right um and i i don't have like a good story and i, I don't were you playing hockey for college i was not okay. no i was done and um i went through high school and when i finished i was done like i had a, like a palpable sense of like i don't want to do this anymore hmm. i'm like like I, I was probably good enough to have tried out for a club team right nice. and, and maybe made it right nice. um but that's it right mm-hmm. it wasn't going anywhere um mm-hmm. and it was it was not fun for a while mm-hmm. um that's just how it goes yeah mm-hmm. you're practicing a lot and mm-hmm. so so no i was i was hockey so was done yeah, and, and, and it wasn't it wasn't eating at me uh i did not long for the days of playing hockey uh, probably in some sense if i were to sort of examine my psyche that probably did remove some part of my identity, which left me disoriented, hmm. right? Because, I mean, that's mm-hmm. what that people, even in seminary, right? I would tell them I played hockey, and they're oh, you're the hockey player. <laughs> right? like, like, well, not for 10 years. Um, right. um, but, it, you know, so it, when you do something, I started skating at three years old, uh, and, yeah. you, and you do something year-round, basically, until you're 18. This becomes kind of how you Are see you yourself, even if you're not great. Like, I wasn't, I wasn't great, right? Like... I, I was serviceable, reliable, uh, but not great. But it's still part of your identity. So yeah. it's possible that, that the loss of that disoriented was, but it's part of that cocktail that I'm talking about yeah, in college. Yeah. Where, and that's part, right? Where you leave high school, where you where you you know who you are. Hmm. Oftentimes, like here are my friends. Here's what I do, and you enter into a new world, and hmm. you have to. It's exciting for some people, I suppose, because there's new opportunities. But for it's just part. It's just, it's just confused time and. Hmm. In life, and so just creeping in there, I just think it was grace. That's all I can say is mm. grace, like that insight. Like, I believe this. I should go to church. <laughs> right? So, what did you do? Um, so, I went to church. I started going back to my 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 home church, St. Paul, um, in Ann Arbor. In Ann Arbor, mm-hmm. yeah. And and then I started reading, right? As a, as I kind of like, okay, let me read because I always like reading as an English major. So I started reading, and I and I liked. Um, you know, I kind of go, okay, C.S. Lewis, that's like, it's like the, <laughs> the Protestant Deuterocanon, right? This is the works of C.S. Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then like, oh, C.S. Lewis, like this guy, G.K. Chesterton. Like, oh, mm-hmm. okay. And so we're like, oh, I like this guy too. And Chesterton's got this friend named Hiller Belloc. And oh, and there's this the whole, this whole like literary Catholic circle. I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. these guys are interesting. And uh, one of the things that stuck out to me was I was reading, I think it was called The Path to Rome by Hiller Belloc. 
Mm. It's just a travelogue. Like it's mm. not a <laughs> tremendously exciting read, right? It's this travelogue of him walking to Rome and uh, I, I haven't read this since then, right? So I could be misremembering it, but it, th- this is my recollection of, of the passages. He gets to an inn and uh, he sees a crucifix on the wall and he can't speak to the woman, doesn't speak the language. And he realizes like, oh, I know this person. Like we understand each other because we're both mm. Catholic. Mm. And that to me is what kind of like, just like this idea, oh, Catholicism's different, right? Mm. I think Catholics a lot of times, at least again, it's different regionally, different different church. I think Catholics a lot of times think the Protestants spent around talking about how awful Catholics were. But for me, like it was, Catholics are a dom- denomination of Christian, like me, they got some weird beliefs. The Mary stuff is, you know, it's wrong, but they're Christians and they do them and I'll do me. Like it never occurred to me that it was something different. Hmm. Like it did not occur to me until as I was moving along this journey that um, I'm, they think that I'm missing something, <laughs> right? Yeah. I never had yeah. any concept that Catholics thought I was missing something. Right? If you don't think you're missing anything or potentially missing something, mm-hmm. right? you don't even think to ask the question, should I? Should, should should I convert? Should I should I do anything? So I, it's almost interesting. Well, it is interesting. It's a lot interesting to see that your conversion was intellectually. Hundred yeah. percent. I I didn't know any Catholic. I didn't. I did not know. I was not friends with any practicing Catholics. Yeah, it wasn't like someone said, "Hey, come to church with me," and you got like knocked over by the Eucharist or something like that. You were reading different books and some passages just hit you in a a unique way yeah exactly and like the relationships eventually um and i think you'll see i hope i don't know you you tell your vocation story it's different every time and yeah um eventually those relationships with catholics did really form me but i didn't have any when i converted (laughs) um and um and so yeah no it wasn't anyone inviting me to Mm. church or um so I, you know, in this sense, I think this is atypical. Because yeah. So, so what did you do after you read that and that? Yeah. So, I mean, I started. I, once it occurred to me that Catholicism might be different, that Catholics thought that they were different. I said, well, what are the differences? And just like it was so quick, it's like, well, this is Bible stuff, right? And I started. If the Bible is the Word of God, how do I connect it to Jesus? How do I connect it to God? Right? I don't. I don't. I don't know. But the Catholics, uh, they have a story, right? Jesus didn't, and everyone knows Jesus didn't write the Bible, right? But they have a story, Jesus founded a church. The church then is able to collect these works, hmm. compose these works, hmm. say that this, these works are the word of God. And you connect the Bible to the church and the church to Jesus, and you have a, a, a clear way of saying this is the word of God, this is authority. Hmm. Um, and so once I started thinking about the differences, then it was really, really quick where it just became obvious to me that some tradition with a church, an ancient church, had to be true. Hmm. Um, it, it just the Bible just can't stand as a, an authoritative text that just kind of floats. And where did it come from? Well, well, you know, I don't know. And and I, you know, um, and again, I'm, I'm proud of the many Protestant scholars who are a lot smarter than me now who hmm. who are able to reconcile this. But hmm. it, for my money, I still haven't heard a good explanation of why these books and not that those books. Yeah. Um, so for me, then and, and now, you need the church, right? Mm-hmm. If, if, if I'm going to have some connection with Jesus, and I, got, and I got some confidence, I need the church. And so I, so I, once I started thinking that, it just, it just seemed obvious. And it's almost a blessing that I wasn't super involved in the, you know, I had been disconnected from my, my Lutheran parish, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because it wasn't hard to convert. Like, I, I, didn't, I didn't have to look people in the eye and say, like, I know I've been a stalwart, a pillar, in, in the young adult community here, uh, but I've got to go. You, you hear this with guys who, who convert, is it's very difficult because they have all these relationships, they have a standing in their community. But I'm just a guy who had just kind of started showing up at church again for the first time in a while. And um, and now I think I have to go to become Catholic. And it was, it was easy in that sense. So I started going to Catholic mass. I went to St. Francis. <laughs> it's so funny. I, I went to the earliest service and sat in like the far corner because I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't want to be seen. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't want to embarrass myself because Catholics they got all their their actions. So I just kind of, but that that's just where I sat for like years after that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I went there to kind of long after I knew what I was doing and could go anywhere like that. Sat in that spot, 
by the prayer wall, by the way, at St. Francis at the, the early earliest Mass they had on a Sunday morning. And I just started going. And the same thoughts, oh, there's got to be a church. The church has to have authority. Just kept me going. I contacted the RCA director and hmm. entered in there. Um, wow. So... I don't know what was your what was your conversion like, Father Drew. I don't know if you already told. From, so maybe it's a from redundant. The, the, from the Lutheran kind of yeah. Things. So similar to you, I think we kind of fizzled out. Of, we grew up kind of Lutheran practicing, then kind of fizzled out. And uh, one of the things also similar is like we just weren't really going to church anymore. Mine was a little more Jesus kind of started intervening in my life. Very, I thought in a lot of ways just very directly, and that kind of led me back to evangelical. Then eventually. Pentecostal and eventually back to the Lutheran reality. But um, to your point, I, I think there was a, as the Lord was leading me from particularly the Lutheran church, the last one I was at, into the Catholic church, it was very much the Jesus and the Blessed Sacrament and other things. Um, but I do remember kind of having to be that one of those guys where it's like, man, I have a family here at this Lutheran church now. Mm. It's, the only, it's the first church I've really ever really belonged to since I was, you know, now that I'm a young adult and it, it, there was a bit of that, like, okay, guys, I think I'm going to leave. And, uh, it was hard because I remember people saying like, you're going to become Catholic. Like you're almost, are you sure you're still like holding the faith all the way, which can be kind of, you know, it can really be difficult for a guy. Cause it's like, these people kind of formed me, yeah. you know, and in, in the early part of my conversion. And so now they're like, not all, they were, they were still charitable and all the rest of it. And not all of them by any means were, were, um, you know, pushy, but there was some that were kind of, they had some real beef with the Catholic church and they were like, you know, we're not sure you're really following the Lord all the way. And so that was, you really had to kind of, I just tried to had to kind of like dig into Jesus. I felt like in the blessed sacrament and also from reading, read a number of things, some of the fathers, um, reading Rome, sweet home and some other things and finding a lot of consolation there. But to your point too, I think it, it can be, you kind of drift into the Catholic church or you're, the Lord brings you into the church and I do remember not entirely the same, but similar things where like you kind of, I would sneak away to go to adoration and I didn't really want to be seen, but there was something beautiful about that. Like the church is, this is Jesus's church and I can just kind of hide in the back and the Lord sees me and he's still going to work, you know? And, um, yeah. So I, I, I guess, uh, I don't know if that answered your question, but no, it was good. It was good. But your brother, your brother had already converted. Yeah, his time. his was a little more to I think similar to yours. It was a little more quick, and it was a little more um, strongly rooted in kind of like reading, encountering the Lord. Yeah, I think just in particularly in the intellectual life, um, mine's a little bit more of it was that, but it was a lot more kind of like I remember just experiencing him very in a very kind of palpable, tangible way. I remember like wanting to know more of Jesus, wanting more of him, and then going to see him in the Blessed Sacrament and thinking, like, this is really you, I think, and mm -hmm. I just don't want to leave here. Like, I, I know you're the only one that I ever want to live my life for, and so I really want to be with you. So That's um, awesome. Yeah. And I'm not saying I do that very well still, but yeah. try. by the. Or I let, please, God, let grace kind of take hold of me. Um, yeah. yeah well, I mean, without prayer, we're going to... Yeah lose our friendship with God, you know, so. Yeah. Definitely. So so then, okay, you went through RCIA. Yeah. What did your family think? Because they were still Lutheran. Were they not, right, were yeah. they not going? They didn't disown you or anything. My, they went. They, they went to church. Um, my mom, every week, my mom teaches Sunday school, still teaches Sunday school. Um, and that was very, it was difficult for my mom. My, my dad is kind of like, you know, <laughs> yeah. yeah, he goes to church. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, he's, and I think that's a lot of guys, you know, a lot of dads probably. Yeah, yeah. So it was difficult for my mom because that was, a, I mean, that's been her, that was what she was raised in. That was, um, and that's something she gave me, right? And like, one thing is like, I don't resent any of my upbringing. Like, I, yeah. I'm very, very grateful for the, for the Lutheran education I got. Like, I think I like the Old Testament more than, I preach on the Old Testament more than just about any priest I know because that was part of what we did. Like, that's all, all those stories. So they just captured my mind, my mm. imagination, and that mm. was a gift I got from my from my upbringing and from you know memory. Class. We had memory class memory where class. where yeah you get I a Bible you get now. Bible verses 
uh, on Monday and on Friday you'd had you had to write them down. Wow. Uh, yeah, wow. and like there was a grade on the report card as memory, and it was. <laughs> like, That's pretty cool. Actually, yeah. So though. I I know I so I appreciated it, and so um, I think it, it was difficult for my mom not to take it personally as a sort of rejection of what she'd given me. Hmm. Um, and so, um, so it was difficult for her at the beginning, but it, it, as it progressed, and this is why I tell people who have difficult times, is okay, the news is always going to be shocking. It's going to be jarring. You know, their first reaction is their first reaction. But if you can show your parents, like, oh, like, I'm I'm closer to Jesus now than I was. Hmm. I, I'm, I'm full of the, the joy of the Lord. You can see me getting holier, making strides. Like if they see the effects that it has yeah. on you, and they're positive, they're 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 going to make their peace with it. Yeah. You know, yeah. I think she'd probably prefer that I was a Lutheran pastor now, but she's very. My family right now is very supportive, um, just because just because one they they know is important to me. Do you have any brothers or sisters? I have older sister, younger brother. Okay, and what did they think about all of this? Yeah, they they, they were less surprised, right? Because I mean, you, they they kind of, but they, they 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 take it as like a quirk, like this is just part of my <laughs> my, my 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 eccentricities, right? It's not like it just wasn't it was it wasn't like personal. It wasn't yeah. you know. Um, so how did priesthood come into all this? Like, what was like you RCIA? You're you're practicing your faith now. Did you start getting involved in the Catholic Church? Were you an altar server? Did you uh, become a lector? Like, what happened that yeah. priesthood came in? Yeah, I mean that's a good question. So basically nothing. Like, and again, it wasn't <laughs> wasn't malicious. Like, I just didn't know what to do. Like, I went yeah. to church on Sunday. Yeah, I, went, yeah. I made the holy days of obligation. I did not know what else to do. Yeah. I, didn't, I, I you know I read, I pray. Prayer, I mean, it's unguided, right? So it's 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 weak prayer. You know, you're not learning from the mass. Like I just didn't know, but I, I was doing everything I, I thought I could. And so this is where the the friends came come into mm. it, right? I went to Northern Illinois to study philosophy, um, and there were Catholics in that department um, who were just they 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 they've been raised Catholic. They come from. Uh, more practicing families a better up. And so they were doing things like I, like I just did not know that like daily mass was something that you know people under 80 ever did, right? I just <laughs> didn't know anyone. <laughs> um and then they they went to daily mass. They would go to adoration. Yeah. And you know, they had and you know these are people in the department, right? Yeah. Um or in the gra- other grad students. You know, they had like a catechism study on yeah. Sunday and they invited a bunch of uh people over, yeah. Catholics, non-Catholics. Um and so that just that really did kind of open up the possibilities. Like, oh, like, like, it's it's like I thought I thought I was doing really good hmm. from a face, and it was. I was doing all my my. I was making hitting the precepts right. Yeah. But like that just that 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 introduced me to a a level of devotion that I just did I just didn't know was out there. Uh, Your and, friends did. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and so I then I I, I started really upping my practice. Um. Just, just, I like going to daily mass, right? Yeah. I just start going like, oh, I like this. <laughs> this is yeah. this is a good part. This is a good part yeah, of my yeah, day. Yeah. Um, and I, I got to know the priest there, um, especially Father McMorrow, who was yeah. the, the, the the chaplain there. And you know, one one Easter, I remember after the vigil service, me and my my friend William just invited them over to to, to our apartment. And I, as a priest now, I know they didn't want to be there. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, after Easter the vigil. after the yeah. Easter vigil, this is a tiring service. Yeah, yeah. Right. And they came, yes. and then they they had some whiskey, and, and we just chatted. Yeah. Um. And so I got to know. I guess so I got a level of comfort with the priests there, and, yeah. and um. Uh. So it became really really up, and basically what happened, um, is I I knew I didn't want to do philosophy, right? Hmm. I mean, not professionally, right? Because it, it's. It's it's a not a great life. I mean, <laughs> what do you what do you do when you get a philosophy degree? You so, philosophize. So, so, yeah, stand so, so on top of the mountain somewhere. No, here's what here's what you do, right? If you go to get you go to a school, school like Northern Illinois to get a terminal master's degree, because the big big programs they don't offer terminal master's degrees; they're just PhDs, right? Of course. Um, but they're not gonna they're not gonna accept you from Eastern Michigan, right? So you go to Northern Illinois, you get your master's degree. And you show up like, oh, I can do this. And then you apply for a PhD. This is the only thing you can do with it is apply for a PhD and then start over, 
right? <laughs> you got five more years after after wow. that, and you you got to get into a top forty program. Otherwise, you're never going to get tenure. Yeah. So, uh, so so that basically, I'm looking at this prospect of applying. It's got got to get in to top ten or top forty program, basically. Um, and just for the opportunity to start over again and take five more years uh, of classes. And if you actually want to get tenure anywhere, you got to start, you got to publish like crazy after that. Uh, and, and so you're looking at like, I got to go five more years plus five, 10. Hmm. Like, so you're looking at like, like this really stressful 15 hmm. years from now for the opportunity to maybe get tenure uh, at like a small school that no one's ever heard of. Hmm. Um, like it didn't. It didn't seem that appealing to me, mm-hmm. uh, and, I, and I and I just didn't love it enough. Yeah. Dude, you got it. You got to love it, right? Right. It's yeah. got to be really life giving. It just wasn't life giving because um, it's technical stuff. It's not. It's not Plato. It's not. You know. It's yeah. like truth conditional pragmatics. I had a class called meta metaphysics. Right. Wow. <laughs> what do you do when I you? I don't even know what to do with that. Yeah. What are you doing when you do metaphysics? Right. So it's just not like giving. Right. So I was like, again, yeah. it's like there's a, there's a kind of restlessness there, um, and just like, well, what am I going to do with my life? And the priesthood just came in, came into my mind. This is a possibility. It's interesting um, to see how grace works with you throughout this. It's like these the movement of, like God just kind of puts things in your, your orbit, if you will. Yeah. And grace is kind of moving these things about in you. You know, coming into the church, reading, you know, even like kind of, uh, you, you mentioned as you were reading Hilaire Belloc and, and just, yeah, it's not like it's, maybe it's just to say that it, it, grace works kind of differently in some ways with all of us. And though it can seem kind of maybe just even like a gentle nudge, it's beautiful and it's really God working and moving. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's 100%. It's different for different people. I mean, I just tell people like, God talked to Joseph in his dreams, and part because Joseph would believe it. Right? Yeah, like, right, right. Like if I got a dream, I'd say, eh, <laughs> what did I eat? Yeah, uh, right. You know. Um, sriracha. He, he, yeah, sir, sriracha. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, <laughs> something, right? Yeah. But he talked to me and moved me in a way that worked for me. Yeah, and right, And so it right. just kind of pops into my head, right? Um, and it's through a kind of restlessness, confusion again. Uh, and, but it, this, it doesn't leave. Right, the yeah, thought yeah. doesn't doesn't go away. You. It's you know a lot of thoughts pop into my head. I mean, you'd sure. be surprised, right? Um, but it doesn't go away, and just keeps coming back and, and coming back, in. and less absurd every time, right? I'm I'm guessing it's a sim, similar for from for both of yeah. you guys. I don't know what, I'm, but like for me, like the first time it pops into your head, it's it's not like a real option, right? Yeah. Like you know, so it's way out there. Yeah, it's like it's like I I, I could in theory go to Antarctica too, but like <laughs> probably not for me. Um, but it, it, there's there's a kind of plausibility that builds every time it pops into my head. Like, oh, yeah. uh, um, and so eventually, I just went and talked to a priest, that Father McMorrow, um, and he's just like he's like, remember, say, work with the poor, yeah. and go to Eucharistic adoration, mm. and he helped me right. So I sent me up with Saint Vincent de Paul. That's mm-hmm. beautiful. And I did kind of house visits and just I mean I, I was tagging along, but I, you get to see and meet the people and see their life situation and um and i went to adoration you know two three times a, a week hmm. um and uh, this is, i like this <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is this yeah. kind of this is where this is the direction i want to be and so i ent- i mean I, I got to a point where i i was just like I, i've done all the discerning i can on the outside yeah. and um i don't know how what your attitude going into seminary was like but for me it was definitely like like i don't know like on the statistics say Today's more than average chance I'm not going to get ordained, or at least an average. I mean, yeah, when you enter, yeah, yeah. I mean, just just how it works. I don't know, but I I, I can't know. I can't get any more clarity outside of seminary. Yeah. Um. So so I went, and um. I liked seminary. Wow. <laughs> I, like I I could I could I could. Which had a lot of schooling too. Yeah. Compared to the philosophy schooling. Yeah. I mean. So so the, the academics weren't a thing. And so I, I'm. I, and in fact, I didn't have to take the philosophy classes here, um, and so I, I had four and a half years of work and six years to do it. So I, I had Take your time. I had an, an easier uh, go of, of so I just didn't have as many classes I had to take. Yeah. Um, but it was more than that, right? Like, like formation. I didn't like formation, but like I liked what it did for me. Right. I liked the person I was becoming. Right. Yeah. I like spiritual direction. I like mass every day. 
adoration every day, beautiful liturgies, uh, being surrounded by a bunch of guys who believe this stuff and challenge me. And like, and they, and they were really cool because like I didn't know anything. You asked me if I had served before. Mm. No, I, I did not serve before seminary. Uh, and I remember my first time serving was um, it was on a silent retreat. So I couldn't ask anyone what I was doing. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's hilarious. Love that. So I was like, Father Spezia. Yeah. I don't know what I'm doing. And he's just like, sit by me. Just go. And so, so yeah, so basically he just sat by me and just directed me. He said, take this book and go there. never done it before. Yeah. Um, and so, but they had like a like good friend, like like Father Tom Merkel. Like, you know, like I could ask, like he, and he knew a lot more than I did. Like, like I didn't know what a novena was. Yeah. Like, what's a novena? Yeah. Like, and like, um, in my defense, it's anticlimactic when you find out there's just nine prayers. I'm like, oh, I thought it was more than that. Can we and, can we just stop just for a second and say I think it's just worth pointing out that like you don't have to know all this stuff before you enter the seminary. Yeah, and that can be sometimes I think maybe daunting for guys is like especially nowadays where you don't grow up. I mean, I didn't grow up this way. I, I uh, run into some of the guys that are I know that have thought about seminary in both places. I've gotten the privilege to serve at. A lot of them, like, similar, they don't, you know, some of them maybe had some experience or familiarity with serving, but a lot of them were, like, converts or they had a reversion later and, like, what is altar serving? Like, they, so it's not to, I don't want to say, like, that's, uh, obviously, altar serving is a beautiful gift, and if you've been doing that for much of your childhood, it can be a huge grace to come to know your vocation. But at the same time, it's like, that's not the only way to kind of come to know your vocation. And so just, maybe just to be attentive to, like, all the ways God wants to kind of speak to you you know, being with the poor and just sitting with Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. And like you come to seminary and you don't know all the Catholic kind of uh, du jour, if you will, you know, and, and, and that's okay. Yeah, no, I, it, was, it, was, it was really funny. I remember uh, Jesse Campbell, you remember Jesse? Oh yeah. Yeah, it's Father Joe Campbell's brother was that, was, was our classmate. And he just he just got the biggest kick out of me. He's like, 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 like no, Jesse, like I had to sit down and memorize the rosary. Like for him, like being raised, like it was just like- It's, it's like, second like, nature, yeah. yeah. Like when, when did you learn English? Like, I don't know, you just, you just get raised with it. But I'm like, <laughs> like, no, I had like a sheet and I'm like, Hail Mary, full of- Hail Mary, full of- <laughs> I love this guy. <laughs> That's so awesome, I, I, I had to do it and you get to seminary and like- That's super real, I, I appreciate that. I, I don't know all the mysteries. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like a, yeah. What's, what's mystery? Honey? What's the third glorious mystery? <laughs> my, oh. I, can't, I can't get my sheet right now. That's what upstairs. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. yeah, and so and they're so cool. And, and Father David Pelican was also really cool. Father David Pelican is like, 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 was like conceived as the perfect Catholic specimen. You know, <laughs> <laughs> all right. But he was he's so gracious. You know, he is. Yeah, uh, and and he would he would help and like and he would help everyone in seminary. By the way, like guys would need their papers read, proofread. He'd do it. Um, and he was just very. Uh, very helpful for me just being able to just people that you're comfortable just saying like like I don't know this basic Catholic thing can you help me out I'm like oh yeah of course you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Daniel Magareno you remember him oh yeah I remember I was serving as early on and Daniel was 18 like like fresh out of high school yeah. you know um, and I you know I was 25 or 26 and I'm like Daniel I don't know how to serve and he's like okay do what I say follow me yeah, yeah. So, so, so this so, <laughs> so he's, he's he's helped me out like and yeah. so, uh, yeah, the 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 brotherhood, um, the guys, the help, the support, it was really working. Like I was getting real. Like I yeah. felt like I was becoming holier. And like when you start to feel that, and like things that used to bother me just don't bother me. Yeah. And other people are noticing. It's not just me, right? They're like, oh, you're kind of nicer than you used to be. Yeah. Um, like like this Kinder. is yeah. This is he's good, right? Yeah. Um, and I, what I think for me is one the the moment or the the period where. Like I knew kind of I was called. Yeah. Or like a pretty certain is the summer where you go to the Holy Land. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. A couple of days in Rome and then you do the thirty day silent retreat. Uh and once I got through that stretch, you know, especially the, the Holy Land and the thirty day silent retreat, mm-hmm. kind of back to back. I said that I'm as close to God and like this is this is just where I want to be. Like I don't ever want to do anything that's not completely wrapped up with God and with Jesus. Like yeah. this is, this is, I'm more content than I could ever have thought possible. Yeah. I'm happier. I'm more yeah. joyful. Uh, I, I, this is where I want to be. This is where I want to be forever. Yeah. Um, right and on. yeah. And so that's, so that's kind of how yeah. I it's incremental, but that's how I got there. That's just, well, it's awesome to hear. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you can see the whole thread throughout the whole thing and how God led you. And, you know, it wasn't knocking, getting knocked off the horse. It wasn't, you know, the Eucharist spoke to you or anything like mm-hmm. that. It was 
through your intellect and through these tangible things that you got along the way and it uh, slowly entered into your life and changed you and um, God made you into his holy priest. It's pretty amazing to see how uh, how the Lord worked in your situation. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, so now, how many assignments have you had now? This is my second. Okay. So I, I did three years at St. Thomas Aquinas and St. John's uh, in East Lansing and so St. John's is the student parish. Okay. Um, they're Michigan State. Uh, and so I did three years there, and then I, I just started as vocation director in July. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So as another vocation director, I mean, I think we're always looking for the same type of, you know, guys and the same t- type of characteristics and things, but just to have them hear it from another vocation director. I mean, what would you tell a young man right now who's considering the priesthood of what what should he be doing right now to prepare himself to apply to the seminary, to come to the seminary? Yeah, so I mean, I would start with those two things that I was recommended because it worked so it worked for me. It was work with the yeah. poor and Eucharistic adoration. Adoration, I mean, you know, it's 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 a Latin right. I mean, it's not the East doesn't do adoration, but you know, we got it, and so use it, right? It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Um, to me, the hardest thing about seminary was getting used to the idea of correction, um, and um, but it's the most fruitful. You know, you don't get corrected, you don't you don't change, you don't yeah. change, you don't grow. Yeah. Um, and so from my experience, the guys who did best in seminary were the ones who were most able just to say, yeah, I know, I don't got it all together. Uh, that's okay. And I'm willing to listen and I'm willing to learn and I'm willing to work at it. And you um, still don't have it all together probably, right? I still don't have it all together. That's good to know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> None of us do. I still yeah. don't have it all together. That's but okay. I'm, I, You're on the way. I'm in the way, you know. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I hope, I hope I'm, I'm still receptive to, to growth, you know. Um, and so yeah, just cultivating that sense of humility before the Lord Jesus and just saying, Jesus, I, I want to do what you want me to do, and I want to be what you want me to be. And if I have to change and if it's painful, that's okay, right? Um, because you'll, you'll produce fruit, and it'll be joyful through it. Um, and so cultivating a sense of humility uh, and an attitude just in general uh, to life of just sort of a acceptance of, of Christ and whatever he wants to do through you, good, you know, um, then you're, you're in a good spot. You're situated well for seminary. If, yeah. you're, if you're honest and you're willing to grow, uh, you'll, you'll do fine. That's right? really yeah. good, yeah. I mean, that's, that's key because you might, you know, have grown up Catholic your whole life and know all these different things that you didn't know when you went in and maybe you're super intellectual and everything like that. But if you're not open to being formed into a man of God with the other gifts that people have to, to get you where you need to go for your ordination, then God can't work because you're not willing to let the Lord transform you. So yeah, that humility is, is, is key in, in our prayer and in our relationship. Yeah, and then I also point out, like, you read a lot of stuff online about the seminaries, right? And, like, yeah. in my experience, my formators had my best interest at heart, and they were right, <laughs> right? They're, they're, they were gifted observers of human beings, and they yeah. wanted what was best for me. Um, and I was it was a place that I really thrived. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so... I grew in the seminary, too. I mean, yeah, I think a great I experience yeah. at the seminary. I loved it, too. I hope I grew, yeah. Even when they didn't let you ride your bike around in the courtyard. That's right. <laughs> is, this, is this real? Can, no, no, no. no, no, no. <laughs> can, we, can we just, I don't mean to always stop us now, but I just, you said something earlier that just really struck me, Father, is Mike is, and, and I know Father Craig's, but a real gift at this for Detroit. And he's been visiting parishes and getting to know guys, doing vocations. You do the nights, right, where you guys kind of gather together, a group of guys, and just talk about the journey. Yeah, we do a vo- discernment group. Discernment groups. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, just like, I, I think sometimes reach out to your priest, you know? And, I mean, you invited Father McMorrow to your, you know, yeah, for yeah. a whiskey, and, like, you just got to know him, and that can be so helpful, I think, you know? Like, getting, spend some time, like, just having more of a human conversation. You don't have to go, I mean, if that's a little bit in, in intense or a little bit maybe um, hard to kind of do at first, you can obviously go to the vocations website and do all these things, but really reach out to your priest and make some connection. And because I think a lot of this stuff from hearing you talk is like, it, it does come through relationship, you know, like you kind of, 
uh, we find out who we are there. We get to kind of see the priest, uh, who he is, instead of not only when he's at the front offering the holy sacrifice or when he's in the confessional or whatever, but I actually get to talk to him and like get to know that he has a, he's a human heart. He's much like me, you know, like he has a different story and a different, God called him a different way, but like he's a human, you know? Yeah. And, and, uh, and I loved how you just like, you know, go serve the poor. There's something about when you, Jesus in the blessed sacrament and just encountering his love and then going out and being like with other people, especially people that are like hurting and, and, and seeing Jesus, like meeting Jesus there. And that's what kind of moves your heart. So you're not just like watching videos and doing all, which again, don't, not bad stuff. It's great stuff, but yeah. it's like, and you're not just even like reading or just like going to serve, but you're actually kind of getting out there and just kind of engaging uh, with God and almighty God and your neighbor. <laughs> and that's how God kind of provoked your heart more. I just thought that was beautiful. Yeah. And it's really real. You know, I totally forgot that I did a soup kitchen for a whole year before I entered the seminary. And yeah. I don't remember who told me, but they were like, you need to do something with the poor. Yeah. And I did. I did. I realized that now. I remember we, we made this soup with like whatever the meat markets wanted yeah, yeah, to yeah. give us. And I just remember having this like little mini knife and just cutting off all of the meat off these like really tiny bones because they were all like the parts that the butchers didn't want yeah. to make this soup, which actually tasted very good. Um, and then <laughs> sit around with, with, you know, guys who were, were hungry and, and, yeah. and feed them food. Yeah. Yeah, it, I mean, this is paraphrasing St. Catherine of Siena, but she, she basically says that serving the poor is as close as we can get to loving from God's perspective, hmm. you know, because we can't actually love God perfectly selflessly in the sense of, like, we always get something from him. Mm -hmm. Like, it, there's, you know, there's always this element where, like, mm -hmm. oh, he sustains me in being. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Whereas if you serve somebody who cannot serve you back, yeah. Right? They cannot give you anything. You give yeah. them something and they're not in a position to give you anything back. That's how God loves us, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he just loves yeah. us and we don't really... That's a great way yeah. to put That's it. That's beautiful. Right? Like to love God. And, yeah. Say that again. That you it, they basically, it's, it's, it's to, to love the poor and to serve them is as close as we can get to sort of seeing love from God's vantage yes, point. Yes, yes. <laughs> what his heart's like, yeah, yeah. towards us. Because we're not going to give anything back to God that he already doesn't have. Right. It's a free gift. Yeah, exactly. All it's, we have to do is accept it. It's a gratuitous. Yeah. Right. And you're not trying to solve a riddle when you're doing these things or like kind of catch the right pieces here and put them all together. You're just kind of going out and in, in meeting Jesus in the poor and especially him in the blessed sacrament, he's beginning to just show you what he's placed in your heart. Is that kind of... Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, in, in some sense. And how he's made you, like the desires he's given you. and yeah. <laughs> um, I'm not laughing at his point. He's just We're not supposed to clap yeah. the table here. Yeah. So yeah. I just hit the table. So yeah, hitting Sorry. the table. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's just a wonderfully wonderful thing where we find fulfillment, but not if we are ch chasing fulfillment. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's just this, but this is scripture, you know, yeah. you know. He loses his life will find it. That's right. right. I you love know. that. Yeah. But when you look at ministry too, I mean, it's much like feeding the poor when you think about it. It's just the spiritually they need to be fed. So just as much as this person needs to eat mm. and I just know what I need to do, I need to make some food and I need to give it to them. Same spiritually as a priest, what do I need to do? Well, I need to say mass so that I can feed them and give them something to chew on for the rest of the day, mm. you know, through God's grace, of course. So it's, becomes of like, okay, that's my purpose as a priest. That's my purpose as, as a Christian man, mm. you know, to go out and to, to take care of people. And hundred percent. It's yeah. all, it's all, it's, it's, it's coherent. Right. And I, I just heard a definition of preaching that I really liked. And it was something like, you know, it was something like preaching Christ's healing where it needs to be. Right? Mm. You, 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 you bring Christ's healing through your preaching. Mm. To, to, to where people need it because mm. there's, there's something that they need Jesus in their life for mm -hmm. and you're communicating that I love that them. yeah that's a good word um, so uh, it is it's it's 100% yeah. what the priesthood's about yeah well Father Mike this has been awesome talking to you it's so interesting to hear your story and, and all the different ways God's worked in your life and this was a really good uh, conversation that we had so thank you for coming on Thanks for having me. Yeah. That's yeah, yeah. great to have you, bro.
<laughs> Likewise, bro. <laughs> yeah. Do you guys get together as like all, like an all class dinner from different dioceses or? We've gotten together a few times. I think for dinner, maybe like a handful of times. Yeah, I mean it. It depends on the guy. So we we tried to get Zoom together. Yeah. yeah, we tried to get together for Father David's send off. Mm-hmm. I think we had half a dozen guys. So. Yeah. You know, some guys are just scattered too far. You were over at Divine Child a number of times with. I uh, was, yeah, yeah. 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 Smoking cigars yeah. on the back porch. Father David and Father uh, John are, are really good friends of mine, and so I'd go over our and, best, and then, uh, and then our Father best bro, Drew, yeah. yeah, Father Drew would just be there because <laughs> I guess he's <laughs> quasi lives there. I just kind of like, yeah, yeah, just coming around, you know. So yeah, the, I think they're 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 there's a core uh, who still stay in contact and yeah. Uh, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Because you're with these guys for six years. I mean, I was, we yeah, were together yeah, yeah. six years. We went to Mexico. Six, we went to seven, the eight. Yeah. yeah. And you have yeah. some amazing experiences together that's never going to happen like no. that again, you know? Never. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And I don't think guys realize that too. Like if you, if you feel like you're alone and you want to belong, I think for me, when I became a priest is when I really felt like I belong. Not that I didn't have mm. any friends or anything mm. before, but this was my identity and I belong with these men doing this for God. It was, that, that was very moving for me. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. I agree. Awesome. Well, Father Mike, you want to lead us out in a prayer? All right. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we begin as always by giving thanks, by acknowledging what you've done for us, the graces you've given us, and of course, the primary grace, the grace of the Lord Jesus who's come into the world for us. I just ask that you be with those who've listened and spent some time with us today. Uh, Let whatever they've heard just bear fruit. Hmm. Send the Spirit to be with them. Let that Spirit transform them. Let that Spirit bring them to where you want them to be. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Father, Son, Son, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You've been listening to Men of the Hearts, a monthly podcast from the Archdiocese of Detroit Office of Priestly Vocations. Join me every month, Father Craig Guerra. And Father Drew Maybe. As we explore the priesthood, hear vocation stories from priests all over the Archdiocese of Detroit and sometimes Lansing, and answer questions about discerning a priestly vocation. Tune in every month to wherever you get your podcasts and learn more at DetroitPriestlyVocations.com.